Hey, what's going on, you guys? This is episode 16 of the Nobby Design Podcast. And I'm going to first say, go ahead and get your hankies and your Kleenex ready for this episode, because this one is super raw and real. Uh, in this episode, we sit down with my good friend, Liz Choi. Liz is the co-founder of an event planning company based out in Southern California called Love Wildly Co., this episode is dedicated to the journey of healing and the power of healing. We talk about everything from mental health, emotional health, anxiety disorders, panic attacks, but really this episode is dedicated to the power of healing and inner healing journey. Uh, I would just say this, this episode is such a raw and real example of really what the Dobby Design Podcast is about is this intersection between spirituality and psychology. And I think Liz's story does such an incredible job of highlighting uh, this beautiful space. Hope you guys enjoy. Check it out. What is going on, you guys? This is another episode of the Nobby Design Podcast. And today... Uh, I have a very good friend, my friend Liz Choi, uh, on the line. Uh, Liz is um, a friend that actually uh, I first connected with out in Orange County, California, uh, several years ago. Liz, I, I don't even know if off the top of your head if you remember what, what year. It had to be like 2016, early 17, something like that. Okay. So several, <laughs> several years ago, uh, Liz was um, uh, an intern over at uh, Sarang Church and we got to connect. I remember actually being in your house, Liz, yes. um, for, for that little training and activation time. Yeah. And, you know, I just want to say this before I, I just let Liz share a little bit about herself and uh, help us to get to know her. But I remember um, being there with my friend Abe and we were doing this um, kind of training activation thing. And I remember when uh, my friend Abe was, was using Liz almost as a, um, as a demonstration of kind of making a declaration of breakthrough. I'll just be real girl. Like I remember <laughs> sitting there. No, for real though. Like I remember sitting there and looking over and being like, yo, who is this? Like, oh my gosh, who, who is this force to be reckoned with? And, and, you know, all exaggeration aside, I just want to even say this and why I'm excited about this podcast is I just knew that God was going to use this woman's voice. Um, and even, you know, as I got to know her husband, Alex, I just knew that this was a couple that was marked by God that was going to do major, uh, incredible exploits for the Lord. And so anyways, that's my quick introduction yeah. of getting to know you, Liz. But for the people, for people who have never met you before, uh, share a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, I still remember that moment, actually. It's like one of my favorite memories um, and just one of the biggest breakthroughs, just breaking out of that fear in the moment, it just calling out everything that I know that God had called me to, but I couldn't do that before. So just want to thank you for that moment. Um, a little bit about myself. Um, I was born and raised in Edmonds, Washington. Mm. Um, my grandparents were actually the ones who raised me. My um, parents actually divorced when I was four years old. Wow. Um, and being really young, 
um, they got married really young. They had me really young. Um, that's why my grandparents had decided to step in. And these were my dad's mom and dad. Mm. Um, my dad, he still lives and at that time lived in New York with his family. Um, and I have a sister, Jessica, and a sister, Sarah, um, out of my dad and his family. And then my mom uh, lived and also still lives in California, which I have also a sister, Ruth, and a brother, Solomon, here. Mm. Um, and it was about when I was 11 years old is when I actually got in touch with my mom. And we reconnected mm. again. And that's when she brought me here to Cali. Um, and I pretty much, you know, I spent all of high school and my younger adult life in K-Town. Mm. Um, lived that crazy K-Town life, you know, yep. being, <laughs> being crazy, drinking, yep. smoking, ditching school, yeah. you know, doing drugs, being, just being really rebellious. Yeah. Um, and I think it was because of just my craziness and, you know, a lot of like, um, just feeling alone in that time, um, just being a teenager. Uh, my mom really didn't know how to handle me. And she had just, you know, gone to a new marriage or whatnot. So I was, I was sent back and forth a lot throughout high school. So I was sent back to Washington, then back to Cali, then back to New York, and then back to Cali again. And so I was never really in one place for a long time, never really felt like I had a home or a resting place. I was just always kind of on this survival mode of trying to adapt um, wow. to different homes, different families, different situations. Um, and yeah, I think I was just at a pretty reckless point in my life. High school was really difficult for me. Mm. Um, I felt like I was really hopeless, um, very purposeless and just kind of, you know, being thrown around left and right. Um, and fast forward to when I was 18, that's when I got saved, actually. Wow. Um, I, I ended up coming back to California from um, New York. Wow. And, um, you know, I started hanging out with my old friends again, naturally, because yeah. to me, like, they were the only family that I knew, you know. Wow. Um, and it was actually through a drive-by shooting. So one of my friends, he lost his life that mm -hmm. night. And that's kind of what changed the whole trajectory of my life like wow. it was that point when I saw my in front of my eyes and I almost died that night like there was bullets flying like near our faces and we were in a parking lot and, like it was crazy and like my other friend right in front of me got shot in the foot and so I, I was like a bullet away you know wow. that could have been me and I felt like God saved me in that moment and he used my friend to show me you know wow. where my life was headed almost you know um, and so I gave my life to Christ, but even then, like I ended up falling away from God. I got into a really bad relationship. Um, and it's about to get really real right now, real fast, but okay. I, I had an abortion. Yep. I got pregnant. I had an abortion. I was really young, immature. Wow. Um, I had no idea and really no family to turn to or anybody to, yeah, like guide me through that process or anything. And so I just, I didn't know any better than to, um, yeah, get an abortion. And so I got an abortion and I think that shame just built this like huge wall between me and God. Wow. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, I, I, I couldn't forgive myself for mm. the longest time. Mm. Yeah. And it was just easier to walk away, you know, than to just to face kind of like what I had done. And anyway, yeah. 
Um, so I went through that whole thing and then fast forward, um, now I'm 21 and mm. I'm pregnant again in a different relationship. Wow. Okay? And this time I'm like, I'm going to keep this baby. Like, wow. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do what I did before. I'm keeping this baby. Same situation. I'm already, I'm on my own. I've been on my own since I was like around 18. Mm. Um, and, uh, I had the baby. Her name is Faith. She's mm. 15 now. She's a sophomore in high school. I love her to death. She's my saving grace. Come on. Um, and then shortly after I had Faith, about a year and a half um, after she was born, that's when I met my husband, Alex. Come on. Um, we fell madly in love. <laughs> 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 and then we got married. Um, we ha- And we had two more kids. I had Layla. She's my middle. She's 11 years old. And then I had Max, who is eight years old. Yes. And it was actually when I was pregnant with Max that I started to feel this sense of like, maybe it's time for us to go back to church. Wow. Maybe it's time, you know, maybe it's time. And Alex at that time was not a believer. He had mm-hmm. no concept of God or whatsoever. He actually grew up in a Buddhist household. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so when I, you know, told him about the idea of going to church, he was like, oh, it's, it's for the kids. Like, you know, because he has this idea like Christian church is good to, you know, raise your kids in the church. Um, so he said, that's a great idea. And so, you know, we moved out of K-Town, by the way, by this time, because, you know, Alex also has a past. Mm. And, you know, we just didn't feel comfortable, I think, raising all three kids in K-Town. We wanted to kind of move to the suburbs and the more... Yep nicer area, safer environment, uh, better schools or whatnot. And so um, we, that's how we walked into Sarang Community Church in Anaheim. And from there, I mean, it's just, it's been history. We've been there for eight years. We just recently transitioned out of there. Mm. We're now at um, the meeting place. Come on somebody. Yep. Yeah. With uh, Will Chung and Andrea. Shout outs, Um, Will Chung. I know. And (laughs) Pastor Jeff and Stella. That's right. Pastor Jeff. Come on somebody. Yes. They have shepherded us. I actually knew Pastor Jeff since I was in junior high. Nope. So he's kind of watched me. Yeah, he's kind of wow. watched me grow up. I've seen him go through his stages. Wow. You know, so it's, yeah, it was an amazing connection. Um, and our time at Sarang, I mean, it's, it's, it's marked in our hearts forever, in our lives forever. Wow. Um, yeah, and, you know, Alex accepted Christ there. You know, um, we were really grown and developed there. Wow. And now here we are. Wow. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is so good. Quick, uh, real quick, Liz, the, the microphone thing, I, I don't know if that's rubbing on the thing, oh, but oh, oh, yeah, it's okay. okay. It's okay. just, uh, yeah, we, we want to hear your audio as awesome yes. as possible. Perfect. Okay. Um, this way. but no, I mean, you know, Liz, it's easy to, it's easy to say, um, you had a pretty colorful past. I mean, um, you know, in many ways there was, um, it's a journey of a lot of pain. There's a journey of so much that you had gone through. Um, you know, my question for you would be, you know, a- as you got older, especially now being a mom and kind of life slowing down and all of that stuff, like what, w- what were some of the first times that you realized um, kind of this thing around anxiety for you? When When, when did that start to really surface and um, even present itself for you? Yeah. 
Um, it actually didn't start presenting itself until two years ago. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And by then, you know, my kids are a lot older now. Like, again, my daughter's 15, my middle's 11, and my son is eight. Um, and so two years ago, I mean, you would think like, you know, having raised my own children and, you know, being a mom myself, like a lot of these anxious tendencies would have came out a lot sooner. Yeah. Um, but I think I was so busy just trying to survive and trying wow. to raise my family that, um, yeah, I just didn't have the space or the capacity or the time to kind of, yeah, go back and yeah. just process these things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, so actually, yeah, it was, it was two years ago. Um, and I know exactly the date too. It was December 27th, 2017. And I had just come out of a really tough transition off of that staff position we talked about, um, at my church. And I think that that transition for me was really difficult um, mm. for just a lot of reasons, but that's for another, st- another time. Yeah. Um, and I remember that morning I had come back from a boot camp class. It was like a workout thing, you know, for my gym. Um, and it was a 9 a.m. boot camp class. I'd finished it. I come home, I took a shower. Um, and I just remember like wanting to sit down because my body felt so heavy and so fatigued. And it wasn't just like your typical, I'm tired from the boot camp. I worked too hard type of fatigue. Like this felt like there was like weight, like ton on my shoulder, on my body. I just needed to sit for a second. Wow. Wow. And I remember just sitting there and I was like completely lifeless. And it was almost like I had like an outer body experience where I was like, I I could see myself like just slouched over, but like Mm. so unresponsive, so lifeless, so fatigued. Um, And I was like, you need to snap out of this, whatever this is. And I just remember getting up and like trying to go get some water. And as soon as I got up to get water, like all of a sudden, like my vision started narrowing and darkening. I started getting really dizzy. Mm. Like everything in the room started to spin, feel uneven. Then my heart started racing and pounding. Um, my body started shaking uncontrollably. I started getting so cold and it was like to the point where like I was frozen. Wow. And I was just like in this, like, I'm going to die. Like this doom started coming over me. Wow. Um, and I remember like, just like, I'm thinking of, okay, am I dehydrated? Did I eat enough? Like what's going on? And I remember like, I'm trying to like crawl my way to my room. And I just like went under my covers and I just had to stay there until this was done. I had no idea that this would be the first of so many panic attacks. Wow. Experience. Wow. Wow. And I should have done a better job of even transitioning our subject because (laughs) I, I think I just got so actually like lost in your personal story, but you know, I mean, first of all, Liz, thank you so yeah. much for even just sharing, you know, keeping it real, um, you know, your, your journey of discovering the anxiety and, and your, you know, your journey there on out. But, you know, originally when, when Liz and I talked uh, pre-show about 
um, kind of what would, what would we talk about and what is, what is the big thing to talk about right now? What, yeah. what, what's important, you know, immediately Liz, you were saying like, I really want to share on my journey with anxiety. Yeah. And the moment that you wrote that to me, I actually knew this is what we needed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, a number one, um, this is a topic that is more commonplace than we realize. Number two, and even going along with that, I remember being in uh, uh, a mega church in uh, the Bay Area and them doing a uh, kind of a survey of, of their, their mega church campus. And they found out that uh, two thirds of the people struggled with some form of anxiety. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, mm-hmm. um, so just recognizing that, that, that this is an issue, but, um, but that, that there are solutions and there, are, there is a way forward through it. Absolutely. So really, that's kind of the topic of our, you know, discussion mm-hmm. today is, um, you know, really on the topic, topic of anxiety and, and, and Liz's, you know, ongoing journey, but even to highlight some of those um, kind of moments for her. But so, so from there, Liz, like, mm-hmm. you obviously have your first, and that sounds like a legit panic attack. Yeah, um, you scary. have your, yeah, you have your first panic attack. And then take us on the journey from there. What what begins to transpire from there? Yeah, so obviously I did the physical check first. Like, okay, physically there must be something wrong with me because again, anxiety, any mental illness, anything to do with like emotional health, I was completely in the dark about. Wow. Like it had not even come up come into mind at that point. And so I was trying to do everything physically possible to rule out like, do I have a disease? Am I sick? Am I dying? You know, am I dehydrated? Am I not getting enough sugar? Like, am I overworking my body? And so I went to the doctor, I got blood tests after blood tests. And, you know, my doctor's like, you're healthy. I went and got an echocardiogram. Like I legit did everything physically possible um, to figure out if this was physiological, like if there was something physical wrong, physically wrong with me, because I mean, my body was reacting in such a physical way it was so real. Um, but everything came out clean. And so I was even more confused. Like, and I couldn't eat, I could barely even like sit up in a chair, it felt like there was like an elephant sitting on my chest, my body would just slouch over because of the weight. And every morning, I would wake up no later than five or 6 a.m. And if you know me, that is an unholy hour for me because <laughs> I, I don't wake up that early unless I absolutely have to. Yeah. I just, I love my sleep, but the anxiety yeah. would just wake me up, shoot me out of my bed, and I'm already pacing my house. Like I'm pacing back and forth every morning. And even at night, it was as if like, yeah, I, I I told my husband, I think this is the last night on earth for me. Like I, there was a, there was a big spirit of death and mm. dying mm. that was attached to all of the anxiety stuff. Wow. Um, and that would take a hold of me every single night. And every night I would have Alex pray over me because I'm like, I, I feel like I'm going to die in my sleep. Mm. And I, and I, now I know, cause I, you know, I'm in touch with so many people who suffer with the same thing that it's a common, you know, kind of factor with people yeah. with anxiety, death and dying and, you know, whatnot. So anyway, I went through that whole thing. Um, and then I started getting like acid reflux because of the stress on my body. That's another symptom. I wasn't able to eat or digest food. So I'm like losing all this weight. And I literally felt like 
a dry and weary land, wow. you know, without God. Wow. Really? Like it felt like a land without God. And, you know, at this point I'm like, okay, I'm desperate, you know, like I need to find a solution and fix whatever this is. And I think this is what I've, you know, realized a lot about me through this journey is like, I'm a quick fixer. Mm-hmm. Like I think all throughout my life, I've always just had to quickly fix the situation, snap myself out of it and survive and go. Because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to survive so many of the things that I went through, you know? Um, And so my thing was, let me just find a solution. Let me fix this. Let me figure this out. And so I started reaching out to people and, you know, talking to different, you know, mentors or, you know, leaders and friends. And I remember someone telling me, you just need to repent. (laughs) They're like, just (laughs) repent. And if you repent, God's going to hear you and he's going to heal you. I was like, okay, I'm going to repent. So I legit spent like a week straight repenting, you know, like every single day. And not to say that that's not what I should have done. I mean, yes, I think that played a part to it too. Yeah. But just like, I was literally trying to do everything I could. So I was like Mm -hmm. repenting. I was like making men's with people that may, you know, that I held a fence with like, um, you know, I was trying to be good, you know, yeah. uh, with God. And, and I was like calling people and trying to do like worship services. And I was calling prayer gatherings and almost trying to like pray the, this demon off of me, you know, wow. like this devil, wow. like whatever this is, like get it wow. out. And just all in hopes to gain this favor from God that mm. if I did these things, that he would help me and heal me. Mm. You know, and it may have brought like temporary relief, but it was never like a sustaining one. Wow. Um, yeah. And like it came to the point where I couldn't even go to church. Um, I would have like panic attacks during service. And soon after that, I actually couldn't even leave the house. And they actually call that agoraphobia, mm. um, where you cannot even be in public. Um, and it's the most devastating feeling for an extrovert like me who loves people and like I get so much life being around people. I love people so much. And like knowing that I was, I felt like I was never going to be able to be around another person again without Mm -hmm. having a panic attack. Like that was devastating for me. And it was like being trapped in this body. That's not my own. Wow. Wow. And, um, let me ask you a quick, a quick, quick question, Liz, because yeah. I know you're going to, you know, I want you to remember where you are in the story. But yeah, the question for you was, as you're going through this process, how and when did you start to identify the source of your anxiety? Yes. And that's where I'm going right now. Come on. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, um, Yeah. So now anxiety has affected me physically, right? My mental world, my emotional world, my spiritual world, everything, my relationships, my work, uh, my business that I had just opened with my business partner, my best friend, Love Wildly, my Mm. children, my husband, like now he's having to take, you know, mom duties and dad duties, right? And he doesn't understand too, like, you know, what is happening to his wife, right? And so 
this was the breaking point for me. This is when like, cause I was, I was falling into a deep depression mm. um, because I was so disabled and not functional. And I just felt like I was losing hope for any answers of what was happening to me. Um, and I began really isolating myself. Mm. And I think it was in that moment of like isolation plus depression coming and then feeling this utter exhaustion of like anxiety constantly Mm. that I began thinking of suicide. Wow. Because I felt like, well, that's a quick fix. Wow. Right. That's an immediate solution. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that would be a permanent relief, which is what I'm searching for. Mm. And I started looking up YouTube videos of, and I would type this in Christians who commit suicide. Wow. And I would search for some sort of a message that said, if a Christian was to commit suicide, they would go to heaven because Mm -hmm. I wanted to die, but I didn't want to go to hell. You know, (laughs) like this was hell. I didn't want to be there for eternity. Wow. But I couldn't find anything like that. And I think that there was a specific night that I was searching up these videos all day. And that night there was nothing for me. There was no answer. And that's when I broke and I just cried out to God on my sick bed. And I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done trying. I'm done trying to figure this out on my own. Like I need you. I Mm. need you. And I feel like that was what God was waiting for. Mm. He was waiting for that moment for me to stop trying to figure it out. Wow. And that was his moment to interject and say like, okay, thank you for trusting me. Mm. Like now I have permission to do what I've been longing to do in you, Liz, you know? Um, Come on. And, and that was the beginning of my journey of finding out what my root, what the roots were. And so shortly after that, I got introduced and connected to my therapist. Mm. I never in my life thought that I would ever go to therapy. Wow. Um, I thought therapy was for people that were crazy, but I guess at that point I was crazy. So <laughs> I was like, I fully accept, like, take me to this therapist. And um, I actually want to shout her out. Her name is Dr. Jessica Cho. She is amazing. I love her to death. She's, uh, she works out of Brea right now, but um, she has been a godsend to me. Come on. And, you know, I don't know what people's, how Christians view, like, you know, medicine, like, uh, like psychology and Christianity, but I'm like, those two paired together were like the army I needed. Come that on. They were the army that I needed. Yo, and- you're, you're, you're singing my song right now because literally <laughs> this is one of the main hallmarks of this podcast. I talk about it a, a lot on the first couple of episodes, but for me, the, the, the space that really I feel gravitated towards is the intersection between spirituality and psychology. Yes. So I just wanted to chime that in. Keep going. Yeah. Um, she was the catalyst. Come on. Truly, that God used to unlock the biggest breakthroughs in my life. Come on. And yeah, I just, oh man. Whew. Anyways, when I think Come about on. her, I get so emotional because of just how God used her and used this. Yeah, this was my medicine. Like I told God in the beginning of this journey and I'm not going to bash medicine because it's, I mean, it's definitely like people need it and there's definitely like room for it. Yes. Um, I just knew that for me personally, yeah. this was my decision that I did not want to 
take any medication. Come on. Um, but therapy became my medicine for me. Mm. Um, and basically what she did for me was she, she gave me permission mm. to share my story, mm. which I've never done before. She gave me permission to grieve. She gave me permission to feel. She gave me permission to go back and be angry mm. and just yeah, be in those moments of trauma in my life. And we started as early as four years old. And that was the year, you know, that my parents both abandoned me and left me at my grandma all the way to present 36 year old Liz. And we just did a lot of work. We did a lot of work, work that I never knew that I needed, especially as a believer, because for some reason I was so deceived. I was like, oh, I'm saved. Like I'm good. Like God has made me new. Like I'm a new creation, you know, like what healing I'm already healed. Why do I need to go through this? You know, but I was like, I, I was so mind blown. And I'm like, I wonder how many Christians are walking around so unprocessed and they're wondering why they feel the things that they do, you know, Liz, let's, let's, let's park here for just a second because I, there's so much, there's so, there's so, there's such a level of depth to what we're talking about right now. Um, I mean, first of all, I, I'm, I'm looking forward. I want to hear more about uh, like you taking us through that journey. But I wanted to park here for a second because what you just said is so profound. And I think it's, it, it's worthy of attention is that, you know, especially for us who are Christians, believers, right? But even mm-hmm. non-believer alike, but especially yeah. for us who are, you know, Christians, you know, there are spiritual realities that happen with us, right? Like, yeah. like when we're truly born again, right? Like Paul would say, you know, the old has gone and the new has come. Yeah. I think where psychology and spirituality really start to connect is what we realize is what's been renewed is our spirit, but not our soul. Yeah. So it's actually, our, it's, our, it's our soul that is in a continual need of, of, renewal and uh reparation and uh yeah i mean really just healing and renewal yeah and i think that's where a lot of christians get stuck i mean even for me in my own journey i'll share another day but i just remember being like man i know that i'm a new creation i know um i i know what the bible says but yet why is my present reality seem so dissonant with that yes and so I just want to set that up to say it's until we actually start to engage the place of our soul that really integrity starts to happen. And this is why I'm so you know thankful for books like Emotionally Healthy Christian um, by, uh, I think it's Peter Scazzaro. And there's mm-hmm. just a whole field of study that's starting to come out about this now. Yeah. Shout out to Dr. Caroline Leaf. I know you're never going to yes. listen to this, but if you do, <laughs> just know that I'm such a big fan. Me too. You know what I'm saying? But like, yeah. but it, it's, it's this world that I think is so necessary and so powerful. So all that yeah. to say is t- take us a little bit more on the journey. Like what was that yeah. like for you? Um, actually, first question is uh-huh. as you went through those, as you relived the emotions of those traumas, mm-hmm. tell us what that did for you. Yeah. Um, man. 
it's so hard to explain because I feel like the English language is so limited to what took place in those moments um, as we were kind of, she was allowing me to relive and give voice to this four-year-old girl wow. who was suddenly stripped away from both mom and dad, placed with a family that is still related to her, but it's not her mom and dad, mm. and was just expected to survive, right. expected to adapt without any explanation, you mm. know? Um, and so, yeah, like we let four-year-old Liz have a voice. Wow. You know, and we gave her permission to cry. We gave her permission to grieve and be angry and, you know, to express everything that she couldn't mm. um, when she was separated and abandoned by her parents. And mm. I think those moments um, were so critical, but yet I never had a chance or opportunity to actually express those things. Because again, for me, even at four, I think it was like put in my mind that, I couldn't cry. I had to be strong. Mm. I had to be strong. Wow. Yeah. Um, and it was incredible for me to even experience allowing that four-year-old girl to come out of me because when I see my kids and I remember them at four, like, how, Liz, how did you even go through that? Wow. You know, like, at four years old, not having mom or dad and not even asking a question – my grandmother told me actually, because my therapist um, encouraged me to reach out to my grandma and ask her kind of about those years of my life. And she, I asked her, I said, what was I like at four? She said, you literally hopped off the plane and you didn't say a word. I said, I didn't cry. She said, no, you didn't even wow. cry. Wow. Then I, I said, she said, I said, did I ever ask for my mom or dad? No, you never asked once for your mom or dad. And that's why she was like, that's why I was so worried. Mm. that's that was like I don't know it was like innate in me like you got to survive at four mm. um and then she took me on this journey through when I was 12 years old so now my mom has come back into my life we've reconnected we have this one year together and she gets remarried to a man who is very abusive very just not a good man and mm. but you know she's you know found a companion um, after so many years of being alone. And so now again, for the second time, I fe I'm feeling invisible. I'm feeling rejected all over again. Um, and so even that pain and that grief, like she took me there. And then at 13, at a really early age, I got into a really abusive relationship where I was beaten a lot. I ran away from home with this guy, you know, um, he beat me and then would tell me, oh, I love you and beat me and tell me I love you. And I believe that this was what love was supposed to be, you wow. know, at that age. And, you know, being so hungry for love and, you know, searching for a family, I believe that that's, you know, what, uh, what it was supposed to look like. And wow. that, that was the period of my first encounter with, uh, with self-harm when I used to cut, mm. oh, I cut myself mm. um, and also suicidal ideation. Wow. Um, and so just even going there and just allowing myself to forgive and release um, that ex-boyfriend who used to beat me and kind of breaking off lies that I had believed about myself, like Come about on. my self-worth and yeah, just, I mean, it, it's, it was crazy work. And every session, like one hour would pass. And um, there was so much breakthrough that occurred with every single session. Come on. Um, 
And then this is one of the two biggest breakthroughs she took me through. So when I was 16 year old, when I was 16 years old, um, I was raped Mm. again. And I'm only able to share this today because of the breakthrough that I received with her and with God. Come on, Liz. Like, I'm so confident, like, and I don't know who I'm speaking to right now. And if you're listening and if you're somebody who, you know, went through physical abuse in this way or molestation or rape, like this is for you. This moment is for you. Um, Come on. on. I never had permission or even the space to talk about this. And I think it became a part of my testimony, but I remember even when giving my testimony, it was like, I was just telling a story about somebody else's life. Almost as if there was like this detachment between me and this incident. And um, I just was like, just sharing it to share it. And I, at the end of it, I was like, but God healed me, you know, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't until literally like my therapist was right in front of me and she goes, Liz, like, as you're sharing that, there's no connection to you, to this story whatsoever. Like, have you ever grieved this? And I said, yeah, I think I did. And she's like, no, I don't think you have. Wow. And then she looks me dead in the eye. She's like, I need you to look at me re- directly in the eye. And so I look at her and she's like, Liz, I give you full permission to grieve right now. Mm. And I don't know what the heck that did, but it unlocked and it unleashed this like roar of like pain inside Mm. of me that Mm. I think I had kept in since I was 16. Mm. And I just, we just literally spent the the next 45 minutes just crying. Mm. I didn't say a word. I couldn't say a word. I just, I had to let it out and I had to let it out. Mm. Um, And then we went through this exercise where she said, Liz, part of finding closure it's also having the power to have your voice because it was like almost as if your voice was taken from you, not just, you know, um, that moment, but also your voice, because after it happened, like you weren't able to say anything about it, Wow. you know, like you just had to be silent about it. And so she's like, I want you to, I'm get, I want to give you a space to write a letter to him, mm. write a letter to him and share with him everything that you would want to say. And that was my homework assignment. And that whole week, literally, it was like as if we opened Pandora's box and I was reliving every moment of that situation. Because like, even when I got home that night, like I could not stop convulsing, crying. It's like, as if, you know, they say like your cells, they remember trauma. That's right. Yeah. And it was like, my cells were like, reliving the trauma and like Alex had to like put pillows all over my body for me to even sleep because I like I could I felt so unsafe but I felt like I needed to go through that and I needed to cry and I needed to feel everything that I should have felt during that time um and so God kind of took me through the ins and outs and the emotions and the memories and like the details even of that Mm -hmm. night and as, as kind of disturbing as that sounds, like I needed to go through that. Wow. That makes sense. Yeah, I wow. needed to go through that again. And anyway, so fast forward, it's the day of my session again, a week later, and I haven't written the letter. And, mm. then, and so like a couple hours before that, I'm like, okay, like I really need to write this letter, but I can't do it without you, God, because 
there, I, if, if I was to write this letter, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what, where to even start or to begin. Wow. And so in that moment, like, I just, I start asking God, like, God, like, how do I write this? How do I write this? And I felt Holy Spirit whisper into my ear, ask me how I feel about him. Mm. Ask me how I see him. Mm. And that's how I knew, like, it, this wasn't even about me anymore. Like, God was giving me his perspective. Mm. Yes, he was so grieved and so angered by what happened, but also he was showing me that I love him too. Mm. And that he's my son too. Mm. And so my whole letter to him was not just like about me and what you did to me, but it was, I hope that you come to know the love of the father Come on. that thinks about you and that loves you regardless of what you have done, mm. you know? And it was just this message of like love and a, like a prayer of blessing over his life and his livelihood and his generations um, that God had allowed me, like prompted me to write. Mm. And so we had this moment in session where there was a chair in front of me and I was sitting in this chair, in my chair, and I was supposed to pretend that he was in the room. Wow. And I read the letter aloud to him and I said everything that I wanted to say. And yeah, like that exchange, even though physically, obviously he wasn't there, like that brought so much closure for me and so much healing and breakthrough. Mm. And I felt like what the enemy meant for harm, truly, like God in that moment turned it around for good. All right. There's like 19 things that I want to talk about (laughs) in the last, I don't know how many minutes you just shared. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's a good good problem. It's a good problem because it's, there's too much to talk about. I mean, you know, first of all, I just want to say this again, Liz, I deeply, deeply appreciate your vulnerability your transparency. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is you don't have to be, you know what I mean? Like you could have easily just talked about your story, you know, kind of in a, you know, kind of a, a, a passing by type of way. But, you know, the fact that you are, you know, even sharing so much of the detail, I just want to say, I appreciate it. And I believe, I really believe that it's connecting with people who are even listening to this right now. Um, I have like three questions that are floating through my head is because the principles of what you're talking about are so mega. And for someone who's gone through it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. But even for Mm -hmm. those who have yet to go through it, right? Yeah. So number one, my question would be, let's start with even what you said about the four-year-old, right? Yeah. Looking back now, why Mm -hmm. do you think that it was so important for you as a living human soul today why was it so important for you to retrace your journey and feel all the pain? Yeah. Um, because otherwise if I hadn't gone back to the four-year-old and let her kind of grieve and release, I don't think that I would have, I would have in the present um, felt the release and the relief Um. And even like throughout my whole healing kind of process and journey, like I feel like it would have been incomplete. I think it, it's, wow. it was so critical for me to trace back to all of my traumas wow. that I experienced and make sure that 
I properly grieved every trauma that I faced because, because yeah, like you're worth that, Mm. you know, you're worth that moment. You're worth those tears. You're worth being heard, Mm. you know? And yeah. So for me, it's like, I had to do it. Wow. So, I mean, really you would say that whether you realized it before or not, it was like that four-year-old girl was still living inside of you. Absolutely. It came out in the way that I um, had relationship with people. Like I, I became such a people pleaser um, Mm. and just a yes girl, no matter what it was, like, even though it was me overextending myself, I would be like, yes, 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 yes. And as I processed this more, I, I became more aware, like, why do I say yes to things that I don't even really want to do? And it was because of this root of like, I don't want to be rejected. I want to be loved. I want to be accepted by you. And if I do something good for you, then you'll love me and accept me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so this all translated into my adulthood and it was such an unhealthy, like it left me no room. I didn't know what boundaries were, you know? Mm. And so it like made me get into really, um, yeah, like icky situations. Sure. Yeah. With people, relationships. Um, so. Wow. Wow. Um, second question for you would be trying to formulate it. There's so much I want to talk about, but like second question would be, as you think about the process of, you know, re-grieving trauma, right? Um, Mm -hmm. I think you already just hit on it, right? You were talking about it. It gives the pain a voice, right? It Mm -hmm. gives the pain an outlet to express itself in the proper way, right? But my second question is, even with the situation that happened when you were 16, like, why do you feel like the ability to even wish him well was Mm -hmm. so, was so powerful in your closure? Because I felt like what he did to me no longer had power over me. Come on. Yeah. Like that power of fear and anger and just like, what he stole from me, like that was no longer over me. And I was able to like really with the help of my therapist and God, again, like just release it and like bless him and really wish him well, honestly, from my heart. Wow. Wow. And I know that that was really a God thing like that. That was, that's very supernatural, you know, Mm. it's not easy, but it's when I, that's when I realized, wow, this, this has no power over me anymore. I I can't help but to think of like Nelson Mandela right now. Like, I feel like (laughs) I'm serious. I feel like you and Nelson Mandela could like sit down for coffee and like relate to each other as friends. No, but for real, because you know, the power of Nelson Mandela's story, like these different historical figures that are so transcendent, right? That touches human beings to the core of who we are. It's really because like, I think it was like almost 30 years of his life was robbed from him in a South Mm -hmm. African prison, right? And when he, and when he got out, you know, not only did he forgive his oppressors, but he even went above and beyond to want to wish them well. And I, and I, I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but I remember, you know, one of the reporters or someone asking him, like, why do you do this? Like, why, how is it possible that you can wish 
those that wanted to destroy you, how can you want them to do well? And his, his line was something along the lines of like, they've stolen 30 years of my life. They will not take a day more. Wow. Come on. You know what I'm saying? So I just wanted to chime that in because I was just like, yo, this is like a Nelson Mandela story (laughs) straight up. Um, uh, Third quick question. And then I want to, I want to move on because I I know there's more you want to share Liz, but like, even up to this point in your journey, like, what would you want to say about the, that space between psychology and Christianity or, or, or spirituality mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. psychology? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's a gift. Come on. It's a gift from God. Really, truly. Um, just as medical doctors are a gift from God for, to main, you know, to help, you know, um, keep our physical bodies healthy. I feel like it's the same thing. Like these are doctors who are going to help with our mental and our emotional state. And I feel like, yeah, like they are the army. They are the army, the sent army. And we need them. We need the church to partner with, yeah, like these doctors, because honestly, it's, it, it changed my life. Come on. It changed my life. And it's not something that w- could only have been done in the church. I feel like, come on. Um, I felt like I needed something else. Yes. And would I just say psychology alone uh, could have helped me? I don't know either, but mm. I feel like the, the two paired together, that's the key. That's the key because there's only so much that can happen in a therapy session, but it's what happens after. Come on. Right. That is also a huge part of the breakthrough. It's like when you're home and you're left to like process everything that's been undone within the therapy session. I mean, I don't know who else to call besides God and Mm. the Holy Spirit to help me navigate through that mess. You know? Yeah. So those two together paired together. I mean, it is. Yeah. There are they are the army that we need in this hour for sure. I mean, I don't even know who you are. Shout out to Jessica Cho. I just feel like <laughs> yes. you are my people. This is this is my song. This is what I'm about. Um, yeah. Liz, take us, take us, take us a little bit further. So you're going through all of these mega breakthrough moments. Um, yeah. Living your past. Tell us what what's kind of brought you to where you are today. And and all yeah, that. yeah. So I think um, God kind of saved the Big Bang or the best for last, I would say, um, because after the whole rape thing, uh, we actually circled back to my, my parents. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, this was the biggest kind of stronghold or like biggest and thickest root, Hmm. um, that was entangled with a lot of, again, my self-worth, the way I viewed myself, Um, And I feel like the majority of my anxiety was stemming from, right? Um, And so this takes me back to, it was summer of 2019. Um, You know, I'm still kind of in this like not good place. Um, And I'm like, God, but I've been, I've been having breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. Like what more could there be possibly left to break through, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah. So God's like, I, I want you to go visit your grandma. Wow. And I was like, just so random. So I was like, okay. And I called my grandma. I was like, grandma, I'm coming for three days. Like, I just need to get away. Um, and I didn't know really what my purpose was in going there, but I just knew that I needed to go. 
Mm. Um, and maybe there was a sense of longing to be with my dad. Um, but like, I, I kind of never was in a place to be able to express that to him, you know, like dad, I, I miss you. I, I, I want to be with you. Like, I want to get to know you. I was never able to really express those things. Um, and I think the next, you know, closest place to my dad was to be with my grandma, you know, and to be with my family there. And so I think um, subconsciously, it was me trying to be near to him. Mm. But I didn't know that at the time. And so I make my trip out there. And the first day um, there, you know, we just kind of catch up and, you know, my grandma's already bringing out her Bible and just trying to, you know, <laughs> to, you know, school me like, you know, like she's like, I'm praying for you. And I, I love her so much. Bless her soul. And she's just praying for me. And um, she went back home. I stayed at my uncle's house. And then the next morning, she's like, let's go down memory lane. And this is, I think, I feel like Holy Spirit was really using her to, as a guide. But we went back to where I grew up, that house. They don't live there anymore. But we, that we literally went back memory lane. So we go by the house and all these memories start being flooding, like start flooding in. And then we stop by Green Lake, which is like the lake that I used to play at when I was young. We stopped by my old elementary school and, you know, we're sharing all these memories. And I just remember I just started to weep and weep and I could not console myself. And I felt like in that moment, like Holy Spirit was doing something in my heart. You know, as I was going and visiting these places and places and um, my grandma was crying, my, my coma was driving and she's like, Christ, like, what's wrong with you? You know, they don't fully understand anxiety, you know, but they just know something is wrong. And um, my coma was like, you know what, we're going to go for a drive into the countryside so you can see the, you know, pretty flowers. And on the way there, I start having very familiar symptoms of a panic attack. Okay. So I'm about to have a full blown panic attack. And um, I actually developed um, heart palpitations because of the amount of panic attacks that I had experienced. So that's kind of like a aftermath of all of that. Um, And so now my heart will skip a beat when I'm like stressed out or like when I'm highly anxious. And so my heart started doing that. And I was like, you need to turn around. You need to turn around. I need to go. Like, I need to go. I need to get out, you know? So she hurriedly like turns around and we end up in this uh, restaurant parking lot. She's like, I think you need to eat. So we're sitting down trying to eat. I can take no more than two bites of food before I'm like, I'm having a full blown attack. So they quickly pack up the food, you know, they take me to my uncle's house. And I said, I just need to walk. I don't know for how long or where I'm going to go. I just need to walk. I need to move my body. And so I'm trying to move. I'm trying to walk. I'm trying to breathe. I'm trying to remind myself I've been here before. Um, And then in that moment, Holy Spirit is just, he's just saying, just let go. I'm doing something. Trust me. I'm doing something. Mm. And so I think I might've walked to this neighborhood like 20 times before I felt God was saying, okay, I want you to sit. And he said, right. I want you to write a letter to your dad. Wow. I've never written a letter to my dad, nor have I ever told him anything about any of the stuff that I've been through mm. or even expressed to him um, just even my longings. And I think that's what was coming up you know, for me, and I had tried to suppress that. But now God was saying, No, it's time for you to spill it all out. Mm. And so I was writing, I was writing on my I grabbed my phone, and I 
open notes and I started writing a letter to my dad. And it took me about, I think, 45 minutes to finish that letter, long letter about everything that I've ever wanted to say. Again, giving a voice, right, to all the years of being fatherless. Mm. And um, literally the moment that I put the period of the last word of the sentence and I put my phone down, my phone rings. And I look at it and it's my dad. Wow. And I was like, no way, you know? And I like, I didn't pick it up because I was panicking. I was like trying to wipe my tears away. Like, you know, got to be proper. Like I got to put on my mask again. Like, I don't want to make, let him know that I'm crying or nothing. And then the phone rings and rings and rings. It hangs up and then he calls again. I'm like, now I really got to pick up before he thinks something's wrong. So I pick up the phone and the first thing he says is, I'm sorry. Wow. And I didn't say anything. And in my 36 years of life, I've never seen or heard my dad cry. Mm. But I think we talked for two hours and this man, it was as if he read everything that I had written in that letter to him because he started apologizing from everything, birthdays, the birds, like holidays, trips, memories, every time at the airport when we would be, when we were like separated and just like his own story of grief, his own story of like so much lament in his heart that he was as a Korean man, you know, could never release and how he would spend some times in the car just crying because he couldn't do it in front of his family. Or like, you know, he, my dad is alcoholic. He drinks every night. And he said, why do you think I drink? You know, it started because when I sent you off at four years old, like I couldn't get myself to sleep or function unless I drank myself to sleep. You know, and that just became a gradual habit over time. But he was just becoming undone in front of me. And it was, it's even that, it was like so supernatural because how do you, I just wrote all of these things in a letter on my phone. He had no idea. And yet he's, he's going after everything I've written. And yeah, I didn't even have to express anything to him. Wow. He took everything out of my mouth and out everything that I was feeling out of my heart. And I don't know. And we hung up and the next, until, until the next morning, like 12, 1 a.m., I was still bawling my eyes out because I could not believe what had just happened. I was still trying to process everything. And when I flew back home, it was like something just lifted off of me that had been on me for 30-something years. I mean, would you even say that it was a lifetime of grief? Finally? Oh, yes accounted for or atoned. Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. And that's why this was the big hitter. Like this was the grand slam home. This was like this is where this was the strong man. Mm. You know, this whole orphan spirit, this whole like you left me, you know, and you never responded. And I was alone and all these lies and all these 
you know, who I felt like made me, you know what I'm saying? Like mm. those lies made up who I was almost. And those lies just started getting severed and like chopped down, wow. you know, wow. just through his acknowledgement and giving me that space and time. And yeah, it, wow. it, it did. It healed me so much. Wow. Liz, we're, we are going to attempt to start this, to descend this plane. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I feel like, I feel like if we had like a two or three hour podcast, I would, <laughs> this is just the way that I'm wired. I would want to dissect every little instance of what you've talked about. And I would want to get into what I call like the spiritual or the emotional science of it all. Mm. Just because I feel like, you know, like, okay, let me just put it like this. Maybe I'll just start getting these, uh, the, 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 the little wings going down, right? So I would say, number one, you know, your story is a real life, tangible experience of the physical manifestation of pain right? Like you started off this story by talking about your panic attack, right? So 2017, it almost comes like a, like a thief out of left field. Oh yeah. You get hit with this panic attack and it's actually starting to physically um, hurt your body. It's physically manifesting within you. Mm -hmm. And that physical manifestation takes you on a inward journey where, you know, just recounting your story, like first year or so, however long it was, it was like, I'm searching for answers and I'm just trying to fix myself. Yeah. It's almost kind of like you were looking for an external solution. Yes. But the, the, the solution or the remedy was actually the journey within. Yeah. And so from there, shout outs again, Jessica Cho, you know what yes. I'm saying? But you, yeah. you know, you, you link up with, with a, um, an, a therapist and I think that that's such a practical thing too, is having mm-hmm. people um, mm-hmm. that are not only equipped, but that can go on the journey with you. Yeah. So you go on this journey with your therapist and she takes you on this Holy Spirit led journey of letting you relive basically your entire life. Mm-hmm. But in the process of reliving your life, she's giving you your voice back. Yeah. You have a voice in the process now, right? Like, mm-hmm. like I don't know. I'm getting a little emotional right now, actually. <laughs> but, it's like, <laughs> but it's like your voice, your yeah. voice is coming back. Like, I don't know why that like stirs so much in me because I feel like I'm, I feel like even right now, real time, I'm like feeling the pain of I, I feel like I'm feeling the pain of people who like who like don't have their voice and um and I and I just feel like like yeah your story is powerful because you're you're basically saying like hey even though your voice was robbed from you like it doesn't have to be the final say you know what I'm saying like yes like 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 that's not the end of your story and I feel like I, I feel like your entire story of what you just shared is one giant shout of hope, you know? And, and so God takes you on this journey of reliving your pain, you know, giving you your voice back one by one, letting you go through the pain and, and, and and restoring your authority to say, Hey, you know what? Like I may have been a victim, but now I can be 
a victor over this. Yes. Um, and, 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 and I love the fact that you didn't give some cheesy, like quick answer to it, but you kept it so real that it's a process. Like you, you had to go, you had to go to the trenches to Mm -hmm. get those keys back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then all of that culminating. And I feel like there's something so deep about the fact that it was your father, that it was your dad. You know, it's like, I was just talking on another podcast about, you know, that role of father is so, it's, it's just paramount. It's so deep, you know? It's huge. Um, It's really where we get our identity from. Yes, exactly. And so for your father to, 36 years later, for him to come back and to make those amends, it bring it brings you back to this wholeness of of a, a, like a full circle of your journey, right? Like you yeah. came from your dad, and now here you are coming full circle with your dad. Um, you know, for me, I, this is this is just me playing back like everything I just listened to for the last you know 50 minutes. Um, you know, is there anything more you wanna you wanna share, Liz? Um, I think for me, just to kind of land the plane with you, um, (laughs) co-pilot, um, I just want to tell, say to the, whoever's listening to this. And if you know, you're somebody who's also struggling with anxiety or, um, yeah, depression, mental illness, um, to speak out about it. Mm. Yeah. I think there's such a stigma on mental illness. There's such a heavy and dark kind of like um, name on it or whatever. So attached to so much shame, you know, Um, but actually it's such a beautiful thing Mm. to be able to take something like that. And for me, I almost feel like, and I'm going to be careful when I say this because I know that there are people who are still really suffering through this. But yeah. for me, it was almost a gift, mm. right? That had anxiety, had panic, had depression, even almost suicide. Had that not come over me and into my life, I don't know if I would have even taken the time or the space to navigate through some of these things, Wow, you know? Um so not being victim to your mental illness and, you know, seeing it as a handicap, but really taking advantage of whatever this is and, you know, taking the opportunity to look inward, like mm. you, like you were sharing and um, taking this space and time to give voice to areas of your life that you've never given voice to, you know, and taking the charge back, taking the reins back, finding your voice again. Um, don't stay silent about it. Reach out for help. Um, turn to people that you can trust. Again, therapy is not a bad thing. Yeah. I want to say that and make that so clear. It is not for crazy people, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. for completely nor. If anything, I feel like everybody should have a therapist. Come on. Come you know, on. we need it. We need it. And um, I really, truly believe that, you know, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but... God came, Jesus came to give life and life abundant and, you know, to give wholeness to us. And I mean, we're never going to attain full wholeness until we go to heaven. Right. But like, I want our journey here on earth to be one that 
constantly reaches for that, you know, because that's what God wants for us, you know? Um, So maybe you're feeling stuck. You don't know who to turn to. I would say start by reaching out and asking for a referral to a therapist, you know, talk to your pastors or your leaders, or maybe you're not connected to a church. Um, There's so many resources online now. I know, but it starts with our voices. I feel like the ones who are walking through it right now to remove the stigma off of mental illness, mental health in general. Um, Yeah, and that you guys are not alone. We're not alone. Come on. I I don't think there was a better way to descend the plane. I mean, I feel like, again, for me, the... I'm So the the podcast that's going to air before this um, is actually me sharing my own journey. And I got, wow. to re- yeah, I got to record that with Yuna. She kind of like interviewed me a little bit, which was That's fun. so awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but I just want to say this is that, you know, this whole journey of coaching, it all started from my own brokenness journey. Yeah. You know, it, it all started because God fathered me and yeah, so for me, when, when we talk about the Holy Spirit being a counselor, like that's yes. real, Amen. you know? And so I, I would say for me, the passion of even talking with you today, talking about these issues, but really coming at it from this intersectional, you know, standpoint between spirituality and psychology is because I feel like there is a passion. There is a fire in me that wants to make these heavenly spiritual realities which are real mm-hmm. but to make them real relevant and relatable for everyone you know what i mean is to yeah bring them down to earth in our hearts and recognizing that oftentimes breakthrough is a process that we walk through rather than some sort of magical fairy dust that that kind of gets sprinkled on us you know absolutely so anyways liz i, I we need to land the plane but yeah. i just want to say thank you so much uh for your time any Thank any you. super last words you want to share? No, um, I love Nabi <laughs> and everything that you're doing, Andy. Uh, you're just such a amazing man of God and pioneer in this generation. Just so thankful for you and Yuna and your family and just what you're doing. So yeah, thank you. Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Um, As always, we hope that we are bringing uh, valuable content that you're able to practically apply uh, in your lives. If you guys have been enjoying this, if you've enjoyed particularly this uh, podcast, please send us some feedback. Uh, Our Instagram handle is nabi.design. We would love to hear from you. And I'd really love to hear how this spoke to you. I want to hear was there anything in here that resonated? We'd love to hear your feedback. And, and of course, um, if these podcasts are bringing value to you, would love for you to give us a review on Apple Podcasts. This is what's going to help us to broaden and reach a larger audience. Thank you guys again so much. God bless. Goodbye.